0: good morning I'm Wimala and today after some absence I'm back with you and it's January the 25th I think it's Tuesday <laughs> I'm still here in Tennessee as many of you know my mom passed on Saturday and I've been with her I uh, at, was at with her at the hospital for about 10 or 11 days while she was uh, in palliative care, hospice care. And um, my brother and I were with her when she passed. So it's, uh, it, it's been a very powerful experience for both of us. So let's get back to reading a little bit and then sitting together from Wisdom is Bliss by Robert Thurman. It's a book that we've been reading, and it's about the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And his particular form of Buddhism that he practices is Tibetan Buddhism, which is in the Mahayana tradition. And so it's very interesting to read um, the way he describes things. There's, It's not really talking about something different because these are fundamental Uh, the basics, the essence of the Buddhist teachings for all Buddhist traditions, but it's a different way of talking about it that I find very, uh, it's very good, it's very rich and it uh, helps. So we have really finished the section on uh, realistic mindfulness, but the last part of of this chapter There are two short sections called The Buddha's Therapeutic Protocol and Modern Western Chauvinism is a Hindrance to Scientific Success. So I'd like to read these. These are Robert Thurman's thoughts on this. So, all right, let's. I'll read. I've got a little scratchy throat. I think I just have a cold from... Um, the last few days and being tired. So I'm sucking on a cough drop, so excuse me if if you hear hear it rattle. The Buddhist Therapeutic Protocol. As we explore the four focuses of mindfulness, it's worth pointing out that the Four Noble Truths are not a religious credo or prescription for conversion, but a clear-cut psychotherapeutic protocol for pragmatic psychosomatic therapy, designed to lead people out of suffering to enjoy the nebonic reality of the world. It is intended not merely to annihilate them or to cause them to resign themselves to misery, but to bring them to bliss. Uh, Freud said his psychotherapy was designed to lead pe- people from neurotic suffering into acceptance of regular suffering, not because he was being stingy with him, but because he had no idea that there was such a thing as fully blissful living. Although maybe he thought he knew about it when he was high on cocaine, writing some of his great books. Okay, this is Robert Thurman's take. Buddha was way ahead of his time in providing a path beyond suffering altogether. A Buddhist term for education is taming, like how we tame a wild animal is taming, a giving of tools for taming the psychotic ego, teaching the relative person that she or he is not an absolute entity apart from the world around her or him. This is a far more transformative kind of education or psychotherapy than what we are used to one that imparts self-awareness and introduces the person to responsibility by focusing their own observation on their relational engagement in the world. It is not that therapists do not have the goodwill toward their patients to help them become realistic and even to flourish. It is just that the theory underlying their work makes them feel it is not possible possible to go further than just achieving a makeshift balance. It has to do with the theory of the unconscious or subconscious. Freud considered the subconscious unknowable by the conscious mind, which is always relegated to just being the tip of the iceberg, inevitably driven by the powerful energies underneath it. The Buddhist scientific view was more thorough recognizing the situation of the ordinary person as dominated by the powerful subconscious, but also experimentally developing a way for the conscious mind to fully explore the unconscious drives, overcoming delusive misknowings. Buddha essentially defined enlightenment as becoming fully conscious, free, able to choose the optimal way of being by focusing all energies to be beneficial for oneself and others. This is not a religious matter. It is purely scientific and clinical and arose from genius psychologists, self-explorers who became Buddhas, wisely and lucidly awake and flourishing persons who pioneered ways of helping others, find their own Buddhist buddhasmic awakenings. Indeed, in order to do so, these pioneer psychologists had to break away from religions, from their authority and conditioning about the nature of the human and the subjugation of the human being to the caprices of the various gods and their priestly mouthpieces. We know the Buddha was breaking away from the Brahmin, uh, the Brahmin religion of that time. Modern psychologists today, who tend to be crippled, as Freud was, by the dogma of materialism, find it hard to imagine that the Buddhist scientists were so far ahead of them in experimentation, discovery of deep psychic realities, and technologies of psychic development since modern is supposed to mean advanced, and traditional thus is supposed to be backward. So they just lump along, they just lump anything remarkable-seeming that was produced by those past sages under the category of pre-scientific meditation. It's very interesting. Just because, because something is ancient, doesn't mean that it isn't scientific as well. So, and here's his last section of his his kind of editorializing on this. Modern Western chauvinism is a hindrance to scientific success. In other words, Western chauvinism and modernist chauvinism prevent our materialist scientists from learning anything new from the great inner scientists of India and Tibet. The belief has to change that practitioners, whether Buddhist, Hindu, Taoist, or Western mystic, just meditate, defining meditation as learning to be free from thinking, as opposed to defining it as the radical transformation of the most penetrating thinking by experientially discovering the total relativity of the self. The science-oriented people who do psychology and encounter Buddhism, uh, rather rarely Buddhism, which is his expression for you know deeper uh, meditation experiences, uh, who do psychology and encounter Buddhism still cling to the idea that they have the ultimate psychological science. Which is necessarily materialistic and reductionist. While the Buddhists have meditation that don't really know what, while the Buddhists have meditation but don't really know what they are doing scientifically. So that's their orientation, he's saying. These science oriented people simply think, oh, it's just meditation. Amazing. We must figure out how they do it. The main problem of the Western modern mind is this we feel we are the superior people on the planet throughout history and history is a big deal for us because in claims to prove that everyone else is more backward than we are and we are on the frontier of reality about to find out the quarks and the gluons and whatever new things may be discovered we can actually destroy the planet And some of us are proud of it. With this belief system comes the notion that we have nothing to learn from anybody in a pre-modern scientific sense. And even though some of us decry and condemn the destruction of the direction that we are taking, we still feel we are going to reinvent the wheel of how we are going to save ourselves. The bottom line when it comes to realistic mindfulness or remembering is that the more you learn about reality, the more you have a chance of being free of suffering. That is what the Buddha discovered, and it is not religion. Religion is not defined as coming to an understanding of reality. Actually, science is defined as that as the attempt to understand reality at its deepest levels there's a lot more to be said about the buddhist psychological science but let's now move on to the top peak of the path where it all comes together realistic samadhi one-pointed super concentration so that's how he ends uh, his chapter with his those comments of his on on the path so far, Um, and that that Buddhism is not a religion. It's really a er, very early form of very advanced science. So the next chapter is on concentration and uh, samadhi, and that's that deeper meditation that we're working towards when we practice mindfulness and when we practice all of the other parts of the Eightfold Path. And we often, I like to think of the word of stability of mind instead of concentration. When, it's, when we have that very steady mind, where we're not up and down, up and down, we're always able to come back to that, that middle way, that middle path. So we'll read more. Let's spend our time sitting today that we're together. Uh, it's good to be back and see people and... Uh, I'm here in Tennessee, and the weather's beautiful today. I wanted to be outside, but didn't have a a, a place to to uh, something to prop my phone up on outside. So I hope I know it's very cold back in Illinois and in Wisconsin, um, but I hope I hope it's clear and sunny the way it is here today in Tennessee. So why don't we sit? I think today's comments from uh, Robert Thurman are very interesting, and they're good things to kind of think of and ponder, but these of course were his his sort of own thoughts after describing the 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 uh these essential Buddhist teachings. but I think the Buddha always always made it clear he was not forming a new religion um he, was, he just wanted us all to be more aware that seeing reality very clear, clearly is absolutely the way we, we can end our suffering. So why don't we sit together and uh, just be in that calm state. We have about 10 minutes. So just allow your body to be relaxed. You can be walking or you can be on your back if you're in bed. But let let yourself feel that you've lifted up. You're lifted up from your, let your spine lift up, whatever posture you're in. And if you're seated, it's always good to help you breathe and to get the most from your natural breath. Roll your shoulders back. Lift up that spine. Now, I always have a tendency when I'm sitting to, gradually, my chin's going to go up and up. So try to hold your chin down a little bit so it's just nice and straight. And you can breathe through your nose if you can't. Breathe through your mouth. Good, it's sunny in Illinois. I'm happy to hear that. I know it's cold, though. So... Uh, let your f- head on top of your neck just feel balanced, but the rolling back of the shoulders can help and as you breathe, you're just breathing um, you're just breathing a natural breath, but when we when we're lifted up and uh, shoulders are back a bit, it should help us feel more comfortable, and it gives our lungs most space so we can breathe in and breathe out just with our normal breath and then just be aware of the body breathing. Let your focus be on the breath Your hands can just be in your lap, either palms down or palms up. It is supporting your arms. If you want to count your breaths with each one inhale, And one exhale, that's one breath. And this is a good way to begin meditating, doing mindfulness practice and insight, where we're just observing. We're observing all of us, all of the sense doors and all of our senses, which includes our thinking in the Buddhist teachings, our mind. So our senses are our, our sight, our smell, our taste, the body contact, the thinking, hearing, we close our eyes if we like in meditation to just cut out some of the visual distraction but we take in everything coming into us from our other senses so that means we we also are aware of thoughts arising But we just want to be aware of the essence of those things. Just there's a thought arising. We don't want to get caught up in that thought. We're just aware of it. And then we let our focus, our attention go away from getting too caught up in that particular thought. We're aware of it. We're aware of sounds. And don't be afraid to have those things in your background. You don't have to be in a perfectly quiet uh, cave. I'm sure a cave isn't perfectly quiet. but we're just being aware at this point of of the effect that those things have on the body. And while you're just sitting and with a relaxed body, just being aware of everything coming to you from the outside, you're also aware of things going on in your body. You might have pain that you deal with chronically, or maybe today you have pain. And you can notice that in your body. Sometimes changing your posture or having a more uh, having something propping up a part of your body that makes it feel less uh, painful or tight, that can help. Sometimes it's pain that you know you just let you live with. And our focus is still the breath. We're being aware of everything coming to us from the world. Some of it's pleasant, and some of it we may think of as unpleasant. Right now we just want to be aware of it and try not to have a judgment or uh, try not be aware if you feel pulled towards it because it's so enticing so desirable and be aware if you're if it's unpleasant and you push it away and then other things you may not have a particular reaction to them If you want to count your breath, count each full, your inhale and your exhale, one, two, count to yourself. Don't go any higher than 10, but let counting 10 breaths be your goal. And see the first time you uh, forget where you are. Just be aware of that, and if you forget what your what your count is because of something that, some kind of input that you were aware of, then just start over again with one. When we become aware of that interruption. When our mindfulness is lost, that's the most important part of this practice. So don't feel like you're failing, you're learning, you're watching yourself. And just calmly start over again. You're beginning to become more mindful. And usually we lose our mindfulness as we move through our day. Now, our time is up today. I'll be here again on Thursday. And I hope everyone has a beautiful day. May you all be well and happy and content. And may you be peaceful. And may everything we do and say and think today be done towards our own benefit and also towards the benefit of of all other living beings. So if you can, just keep practicing. If you have a few more minutes just to be with your breath, stay in your body, just spend more time and hope you've moved through your day being aware, awake, and at peace. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.